Well, welcome. Um, once again, we're going to be in Mark chapter 3 this morning. So if you don't, uh, if you have a Bible, you can open up to there. If you don't have a Bible, you can find one in the pews that looks like this. Um, if you open it up and it looks like German to you, it probably is. Put that one back. That's a hymnal. The, the other one will be in English, I promise. Um, and so we'll be um, in Mark chapter 3, uh, the verse uh, 20 is where we're going to start on page 838. Before we get into that, I just want to say another prayer. And just, and dear Lord, we just want to come before you this morning and just thank you. Thank you for the beauty of your word, Lord, and for the, the, the joy there is in gathering together, Lord, and getting into it, Lord. And just pray, Lord, you would just bless this morning and just speak to our hearts, Lord, and draw us and knit us together tightly. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've made it into the uh, third part of our Define the Relationship series, um, which has been continually asking us the question, who is Jesus to us? Which is really the most important question we can ever ask ourselves. Um, the most important be question, question because our relationship to Jesus defines who we are today, how we live today, and how we're going to live for all of eternity. So there's absolutely nothing more than important that we can, than we can ask or answer. And today we're going to sp be specifically talking about being a part of Jesus' family, being accepted into that. Um, so we're going to have to unpack that word a bit because family can mean a lot of things to a lot of people and have a lot of uh, baggage attached to it. So family can be, for example, your safety net, the, the thing that you fall back on. They can be those crazy people you put up with uh, during holiday dinners. Um, they can be uh, a group that criticizes you for the, for the choices you've made or even has abandoned you for those choices. They, uh, they can be a group that you've maybe not even related to but have, have shared trauma. Uh, I know that I, I feel a really strong uh, family kinship to any pastor's kid I run across. <laughs> Speaking of shared trauma. Um, <laughs> so um, when I say family, like I said, there's, there's understandably a lot of garbage and baggage that we just bring to that word. So I think what we have to do is look at what God defines as family, as kind of where we're going. So if you look at, uh, in Genesis 2, God actually creates the first family. Um, throughout the days of creation, he goes through and he creates light and he says, this is good. He creates uh, earth and he says, this is good. And then on the sixth day, he pauses, he creates something and he says, hey, well, that's not good. On the sixth day, he creates man. And he says, it's not good that man is alone. So he pauses and he puts Adam to sleep and he creates a helper comparable to him. And... Uh, so rather than uh, the church tends to leverage that as a scripture to say, look, you need to get married if you want to have a good relationship with God. But marriage is a good thing, but really what God is creating is a family unit. And the purpose of that family unit is to help each other in doing the will of God. Uh, a lot of times we look at uh, where Adam was in the garden and we say, oh, well, he didn't do anything. He just hung out in the garden, you know, ate some fruit. But he actually had a job, which was to tend the garden, to name the animals, to do these things. And so God made a helper to help him do the will of God. And so then that's what the purpose of the family was. So what happened next was sin entered the garden. And the family started 
they got kicked out of the garden, the family started falling apart, and the next thing we know, brothers are killing brothers, right? Cain murders Abel, and the family is just being ripped apart because of sin. So Jesus comes along on the scene now, and we're going to be talking about being accepted back into that heavenly family with the, with the intent of doing the will of the Lord. So if we go to Mark, uh, Mark 3, 20, um, it says, Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again, so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, He is out of his mind. So this is the beginning of this uh, Mark sandwich that we were talking about. Uh, our, the meat of our verse is actually going to be in 30, but I had to jump back to 20 to, to kind of give us this context. So the, to be clear on the, the verbiage here, it talks about Jesus being surrounded by a crowd. The word crowd is repeated multiple times throughout this chapter uh, and in this story, twice at least. I kind of like the, the New King James uh, version where it calls it multitude. It's a bigger sense of the word than crowd. When I think of crowd, I think you guys are a crowd. When I think of multitude, I think of like a Justin Bieber concert. And so I've got this picture in my head of Jesus as this celebrity with the disciples wearing yellow security jackets surrounding him like, hold on guys, right? So this is, this is, this is really the scene, right? Jesus, they can't even eat. They can't even take a break to eat. They can't do any of that stuff. So this is what's pressing in on him. Uh, and so his family has heard about this and they think, We've got to go seize him because he's gone crazy. And it, it, it sounds a little weird to, to think about that, but that's what his family has said. Now, um, side note, your translation might say friends or cousins or something along those lines, a little bit softer than immediate family. Um, the, the actual word is those who belonged to him. And it's a little harder to parse because that could be the people that are sitting right there with him, those who belong to him. Um, but because there's a journey and because we tie this uh, sandwiching structure that we've been talking about that Mark likes to use, we, we connect this to the mother and brother that are going to uh, come uh, and try to get a hold of Jesus in uh, verse 30. So remember, the Mark sandwich is where one story starts, is paused, a disconnected story is told, and then that story is resumed. So we're now kind of on the outer edges. Last week we talked about the middle one. Um, so in, in the middle one last week, remember, the scribes come along and they, they see what Jesus is doing. And they say what he's doing is demonically inspired. Jesus is possessed by a demon, in the, by the power of the prince of demons. So... Um, one of the reasons that Mark does this technique, the one of the reasons we have these, um, this split of stories is so that we can learn about both stories at once and kind of see where the connecting tissues are between the stories and learn about them. So when I think about something coming along and they're saying, well, he's demonically possessed or he's crazy, those actually sound really similar to me as far as accusations are concerned. Either one is going in and saying, whatever he's doing, it's, it's not right. And so we've got to step in and we've got to insert ourselves. Now the difference being that the, uh, the Pharisees come in and they say, your power, what you're doing is, is, is by the power of Satan. And then his family is saying, well, I think he's gone crazy. Let's go find out and we're going to take care of him and we're going to rope him in. So there's some differences there, but really they sound very similar. So uh, 
the we can even we can even see this uh, happening today. Like uh, so many times, we hear people say that well, Jesus was a good teacher, or we try to to put all these kind of names on Jesus that that are aren't really what aren't really the full picture of who Jesus was. And so this sort of rationalization is really what I see his family going through. The, you know, we know Jesus, we know he acts this way, now he's gone crazy. So now when somebody comes along to you and says, well, uh, Jesus, he, he was a good teacher, right? That, that really limits Jesus. It puts Jesus into this box that they can, they can rationalize about. But with Jesus, it's not enough to say that he's a good teacher. I can be a good math teacher or a bad math teacher, and that doesn't change what math is, right? Anyone can be a teacher of math. If you look at any religion out there, you can remove the central figure from any single religion, and it will still say the same things. Be nice to people. Don't hurt, don't hurt people. Give to the poor. Whatever, whatever uh, good ideas are in these religions, you can remove the person who, who, who came up and said, these are the things to do, and they would still say the same things. You can't remove Jesus from Christianity. His death and resurrection, his death, burial, and resurrection are central. They are the gospel. So that's central to, our, to Christianity. So we can't rationalize Jesus. We have to take him for who he is. And that's what, um, uh, that's what we're going to see the crowd doing. Uh, in fact, even Paul says uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. So now the journey to seize uh, Jesus by his family climaxes in verse 31. So let's take a look at that. It says, And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? Looking at, looking up, and looking about at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. So Mary and Jesus' half-brothers have shown up for an intervention. Uh, but they can't get to Jesus because of the multitude surrounding him. Um, so instead, they try to enlist the crowd's help to get a hold of Jesus. Uh, it's both interesting and odd here. Um, I struggled with this when I was reading through this, that Mary is in this group, right? Because Mary's supposed to have been the gal that an angel appeared to and said, hey, you know, you're going to have uh, a child, and he's going to be um, God with us. You know, you're going to call him Emmanuel. There's going to be all these things about him. And now she's here thinking something's up and I've got to take care of this guy. Um, so it just kind of, the thing that I, I, I took away from that is that our past experiences with Jesus don't matter. What it matters is our experience today with him, where we're at right now. So we can't rest on on, on what was there. Like for Mary, there was this head knowledge, I think, you know, she's experienced him, but now, now Jesus is, is, is ministering. He's in, 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 in this mode, and she, she can't accept that. She's got to rationalize it, you know. Maybe he was still the, the, the boy to her that, and, and not um, being used in this way. So she's a little confused here, as are his brothers. So 
So uh, Jesus is made aware of the situation, but he doesn't even stop to engage uh, with his family. Instead, he turns to the crowd and asks them a question, who are my um, mother and brothers? And if I was in the crowd, I'd be like, didn't we just tell you? They're the guys outside, right? So Jesus uh, instead, uh, it's of course a rhetorical question, uh, and he gestures to them and says, here are my mothers and my brothers. So at the end of the day, being related to Jesus or being related to somebody who is connected to Jesus doesn't change anything about um, where you stand with Jesus. Uh, A lot of times we can rely on, oh, well, the faith of my my father or my community or something else, but really it's it's our individual faith and our individual lives that, that, uh, our individual experiences with Jesus, and it's our own decisions that that ground us in that faith. So... uh, On the, uh, on the weekends, uh, one of the things that I like to do is I like to take one of my kids out uh, for a special kind of breakfast. Um, so we call these daddy dates. Uh, and so it's, it's one-on-one time I get with my kids. And I, I try to convince them to go to donuts, but they don't generally like donuts. So we, we get whatever they want, uh, pancakes or something. But um, donuts are also cheaper. I like that. Um, <laughs> Uh, so then, uh, but one Saturday morning, I was sitting there with uh, my wife, and I was talking with her. The kids were just hanging out, and, and I said, you know, I think, I think Neo, he was three at the time, is, is probably old enough to start going on these with me. And we were discussing it, and she agreed, and so then, and he's just sitting there with his car, and just, um, you know, goofing off with his toy car, and, and then I turned to him, and I say, okay, put on your shoes, let's go. And then, like, Everything stopped for him. He said, me? Like this, this whole flood of realization came across his face. He's a very kind of internal guy. So like I know that he processes a lot of things, but as soon as I t- said that, everything came out across his face. It was so beautiful. I just about cried when it happened. But because um, it was like, yes, you, uh, you, you're my son. But um, I imagine that's, that's, that must have been what's going on in this crowd right there, Right? Because Jesus said, who are my family? And he said, you guys. These people who came to him broken, hurting, you know, incomplete, and just came to his feet. And he said, you guys are in my family. So um, Jesus is giving that invitation to the crowd. And then, and then he expands it. He says, for whoever does the will of God he is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus takes this definition beyond the location, beyond time, to us right now here today in Seattle. Like, we are part of that family. Where sin tore God's family apart, Jesus is restoring that family. So, to be clear, coming to Jesus and sitting at his feet now does have a cost. And so the cost is that we're, we're called to repent and believe, right? That's what he talks about when he talks about doing the will of the Father. In Mark 1, 14, back a bit, it says, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So 
in context, this is this is what we're talking about when we're talking about doing the will of the will of the Father. And Luke expands upon this and he says, if anyone comes to me, Jesus is speaking here, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and his mother and his wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. We are called to let go of the world. It doesn't mean that we're called to cut off everyone and call them up and say, hey, you know what, I hate you. You know, because it, it, he says we're supposed to hate our own life. He doesn't, you know, he's not calling us to end our life or end any of these relationships. What we're, what we're being called to do is to put down anything that would, that would draw us away from God. And so anything that would pull us apart, pull us away from that, needs to be less important. And we need to make God the most important thing in our lives. And that's what it means to be drawn in, to be sitting down at the feet of Jesus. Now, um, so now that we're in the family, and uh, we need to talk about what that means for um, for uh, really for us, because we as the church are the family, and Jesus isn't here, so we need to be taking the place of what everything that Jesus. Uh, isn't doing, can't do physically here on earth today. That's our job as the church. Um, so before we get into that, though, I wanted to say if you're not a Christian today, uh, there's hope for you in all this, all this I've been reading, uh, all these verses that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and is what I've called, the, is what we call the gospel. And it's, it's an offer today. Jesus' invitation that you can be a part of his family is out there today, right now, and, uh, and we can be a part of it. So the next step is once, uh, once you're a part of that family, how do you become Jesus to the rest of the world? Remember that back in those two stories that we were talking about, we have Jesus and his family, his family saying, well, He's, got, uh, he's gone crazy, and then we have, uh, and they're left on the outside, and we have Jesus and the scribes, the scribes saying Jesus is demon-possessed, and they got in trouble because uh, they, they got called out for blasphemy of the Holy Spirit because Jesus was doing all these things in the power of the Holy Spirit, and it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus had the ability to invite people back into God's family, and it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that the church has the same ability to invite people back it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that the church can operate and can do the things that Jesus has called us to do here on earth. So, one of the people that might have been in that group of family that get, that get left outside is, uh, is James, the half-brother of Jesus, who becomes actually more prominent later in the church. Um, and so he's got some, uh, also wrote the book of James. Um, and uh, so there's some really good uh, things in there on how to be a church, how to be a community that I think are in James. So if you want to turn with me to James chapter 5, should be about page 1038, I think, just after Hebrews, nope, 1038 was too far, 1013, 
So James 5.12 says, uh, But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or uh, by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, uh, so that you may not fall under condemnation. So starting there, uh, with the power of the Holy Spirit, we're supposed to be different to the world and different in a good way. In fact, uh, John says, they'll know that you're Christians by the love you have for one another that we're supposed to be known by our love and by our honesty, even to the point that people can see a difference in that among each other. So that's one thing that we're supposed to, we're called to do. And then um, it says uh, in 13, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. And we're called to, so we're called to embed ourselves into each other's lives. Um, you know, how are you going to know if somebody's suffering or somebody is, is, is praising if, if, you, if you don't involve yourselves with each other? Um, so families don't happen really from Sunday to Sunday. Families happen every day. Uh, and I, I think our home groups do a really good job of this. In fact, I experienced this uh, personally over this uh, weekend. Starting Thursday, I fell uh, so sick. I was, I was actually having trouble walking. I was really, really exhausted um, and so then uh, and I had planned on taking Friday and just organizing all my all my notes for the sermon it was just gonna be beautiful and and then Friday I couldn't get out of bed I was so just wiped out in fact several times I got out of bed to work on things uh, I fell asleep so I fell asleep in the shower I, I fell asleep <laughs> at the at the breakfast table I fell asleep on the couch and each time, my wife was like, you should go to bed. I was like, but I've got things to do. And, uh, and so then all of a sudden, I started getting these texts saying, praying for you. And like, I, 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 I had enough energy to say thanks. And I kept thinking, I really need to message my home group. And I really need to message people and just ask for prayer. My wife messaged them for me. Thank you. Uh, and, uh, and so like, I, started, I woke up on, on Saturday, and it was just like, things were so much clearer and just like better and like today I'm here and like I, it, I didn't know where I was going but it was so that was an example of both suffering and praise because praise the Lord that I'm, that I'm healed and suffering that you know what the church came together and prayed and that's what we should do for each other and so we need to just like we need to dig into each other's lives that way. Um, some other things you might do, I was just thinking, you know, you could go out to lunch. It doesn't have to be involved with the home group. Go out to lunch after this. You can babysit somebody's kids. Mine are up for um, offer if anyone's interested. Uh, you know, we can, we, we need to just, just find ways. We call it militant hospitality in, in our group, um, and some people are better at, than, better at it than others, uh, but, you know, invite yourself over. Build a table for somebody. I don't know. Like, find a way to be involved in each other's lives, because that's, that's who we're called to be. That's who Jesus wants us to be. Um, so yeah, is anyone sick? Uh, let them call the elders of the church. And so we're in 14, uh, uh, 514. If anyone, is anyone among you sick? Let them call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power and is, um, has great power as it is working. Here's another thing. Uh, we're called to confess to each other. Um, not blatantly, not run out and say, hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm dealing with this, but find somebody who, who you know can pray. 
and, and find somebody who you know you can be accountable with. We don't, we don't ask each other to pray for uh, us for absolution. Forgiveness comes from God and God alone. But we ask for each other for prayer for encouragement. We ask each other for prayer for strength uh, and for healing. Uh, so um, part of doing life together, like we, call it, we like to say in our home groups, part of doing that as a church is being honest, completely honest with each other about, about where we're at and what we're dealing with. None of us are perfect, and it's a lie to even think that we are or even to try to make it look like we are. We have to be honest with each other. So as I said, now that Jesus isn't here, and so that's how we're supposed to be as a church family, then, uh, then the next thing is how do we as the church impact the world in the same way that Jesus did? You know, we're not looking for, um, for multitudes to, to crush us in. What we're looking for is to be a, a, a changing force that God can use through his, his Holy Spirit through us impacting this world. And so uh, as we look at what the church was doing immediately after uh, Christ was uh, uh, resurrected in Acts, it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to the breaking bread and, uh, and the prayers. So according to this verse, um, the, the activities of the church were you know, teaching biblical doctrine, uh, providing a place for fellowship for believers, observing the Lord's Supper, and, and praying. And so I, I, I'm really happy that we do all these things today. In fact, we have the Lord's, uh, we have uh, the Supper here for later, and, we're, you know, we're fellowshipping. We're going to do the bash, bash, bash. Um, uh, after, like, let's, let's get involved with each other, and let's pray with each other. Let's go through the Word together. This is, this Church is exciting. Like it, it's not this boring thing where we sit there. It's this thing where we get into each other's mix. So, um, and then uh, another purpose for the church is to minister to those in need, and we see that in uh, James one, where uh, James one twenty seven, where he defines religion. He says, "Religion and pure, is, that is pure, and undefiled before God the Father is this: to visit orphans and widows in their affliction." and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So if family is a loaded word, believe me, I know religion is, is definitely a loaded word for a lot of people. Um, and so James just cuts it down and says, hey, there's this important aspect of it, okay? We, uh, we need to minister to the needs of those who, um, who can't. And you know, it's interesting, specifically orphans and widows are people who need family. And so again, the church is meant to be that family. Um, the, uh, the other thing uh, that we as the church are meant to do, we're commanded to, to do, in fact, is found in Matthew, where it says, uh, Matthew 28, 18 says, And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so what, uh, what we're also supposed to do is to invite other people into the family. We're supposed to go out and, um, and make disciples, make disciples of the people that you're, you involve, you're involved with every day through deed and through word, you know, preach the gospel. We're, the church is called to be uh, a lighthouse uh, pointing, uh, pointing towards Jesus. So, in conclusion, God created the first family in Genesis, 
Sin tore it apart. Jesus came, wiped out the power of sin, and restored it, restored that family. So, and he invites us to be a part of that. He invites, and that's, um, yeah, that's, that's where we're at. So thank you, family, so much for, for, for everything, for this weekend, for praying for me, and just for, um, for being, being a part of, being part of my family. So uh, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to come before you, Lord, and just thank you. Lord, we want to thank you just for bringing us in, Lord. We didn't deserve it. We were broken, and um, we, we need uh, your healing, Lord, and we need, uh, we need each other, Lord. We need this family, Lord. Lord, we j- I just pray, Lord, that you would just help us to just um, dig deeper with each other, Lord. Help us to, help us to just be that, that, close, that closest relationship possible, Lord, and help us to help each other to do your will, Lord. Just uh, just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.